Hello and welcome to the Fantasy Life Podcast. Great day to be great. I'm your host, Ian Hart. It's a lovely show on tap. Talking mid-late round gems, perhaps. A lot of interesting questions at running back, wide receiver, tight end, quarterback alike. And to help me answer those very questions, I am joined by the one, the only, Fantasy Life Director of Analytics, all-around baller, Dwayne The Rock McFarlane. What's up, Dwayne? Dude. It's April 3rd. We were just talking about this before the show, and we're getting to talk about football. You know what's up. Like, we're living a good life. We love it, and uh, we just want to spread the joy to as many other people as we can that have this disease known as we can't stop thinking about football year-round. So that, that's who we're here for. We're here for those folks. Thank you to everyone out there doing, you know, important things with their life, you know, helping the community. <laughs> Dwayne and I, in the meantime, will be talking about fantasy football in April. And let's get after it, Dwayne. You know, we buried the lead enough here. Long story short, everyone, you can find these articles on fantasylife.com. But I have been absolutely grinding my quarterback, running back, wide receiver, and tight end tiers. Quarterback is up today. Running back will be up tomorrow and so on and so on. But by doing that, hopefully, you know, you start to ask questions about the overall rankings, about the process. And I put down some of the biggest ones yet. With all that in mind, Dwayne, I do have a question about some of these running backs because, look, we all realize when you look at the top 10, top 12, these are three down backs that are usually really good at football. It's not that hard to, you know, wrap your minds around them being awesome fantasy assets. But once things get into the later rounds of drafts, that's when we got to figure out, okay, could this be a hidden gem or are they ranked this lowly for a reason? So specifically, Dwayne, I see a handful of sub RB24 ADP running backs that presumably have a chance to be their team's lead running back. Now, yes, we all understand there's still some offseason to go with even free agency and, of course, the NFL draft. But as it stands right now, Falcons running back Tyler Algier, RB27. Rashad White for the Buccaneers, RB28. Khalil Herbert, James Conner, Rashad Penny, Brian Robinson, even Raheem Moster and Jeff Wilson. All these guys should be their team's lead running back as things are standing right now. My question for you, Dwayne, is which ones are you actually buying about maybe having that opportunity? And which ones are we you know, talking about on April 3rd and by May 3rd might not be the same? Yeah. Um, well, what we know is a few of these or maybe two, I don't know, we can't say exactly how many, but at least a couple will probably sneak through and will still feel good, right, in a few weeks from now after the NFL draft. Um, but many of them, they're going to get, you know, competition for touches. It's a really deep draft class at running back and tight end. Those are the two deepest spots, not quite as deep at receiver this year. But you're going to see backs that might have been second-round picks last year go in the third round this year. So I think there's definitely going to be a shakeup after the draft. But like looking at this list, well, there's a couple things. Number one, like you've already talked about it, and, and just saying where they're going, RB27, RB32, RB33, probably doesn't do it enough justice. Like These guys are going pick 100 and later. You know, some of them are going like in the late 90s. So I'm actually, if you're drafting now, like if, if, if you know you're doing something where you're trying to gain exposure, you know, who knows what contest you're playing in, but I, I'm fine. I want to add all these guys, right? I want to draft a little bit of all these guys because the bottom line is we really don't know, Ian, which ones are going to, you know, basically have their value submarined. But like if I had to pick the ones that I get the most excited about, I would say that, you know, number one would be Rashad Penny. Now, you talked about the negative, like, did not sign for very much money. Like, he signed a contract where he could just actually be cut. I'm just going to pay attention to the positive, and we just know he's a super explosive player. You know, uh, if folks want to hear more about it, they can go back and listen to the free agency show. We covered that in depth with Penny, but all the advanced metrics just really point to Penny. Look, when he's healthy, like, being one of the best running backs in the league, like, being in the echelon with Nick Chubb and with Derrick Henry, right, and things like yards after contact. So, playing with the Eagles, like, the upside is just immense for Penny. Now, a lot of things have to happen. Um, the other one that sticks out to me because of the explosive playmaking ability is Khalil Herbert. Um, now, he's already got competition. He's got Deonta Foreman. Um, but 
we know that so far what we've seen, like he's got that big playability that we love. And I would say the other one that I get the most excited about is Rashad White. And it's not so much because he was great on the ground. Actually, was not that great last year. Um, now, the Bucks had a lot of offensive line issues. They had, they had a really bad run of luck last year on the offensive line. They actually have some really good players, but it was problematic as far as keeping everyone healthy. But I just like him because we saw that upside as far as being someone that can demand targets in the passing game. Now, we've got other stuff to talk about later with quarterbacks and Baker Mayfield, which I don't love. But I, I would say those are the three that I get the most excited about. But again, I would be gaining exposure to all because we really don't know. We don't know which ones are going to make it through, you know, the minefield and come out on the other side. We're like, wow, like we can't believe it. That guy came through unblemished through the draft and free agency. But uh, I think you've got the right list here and the prices are good. Yeah, it was a trick question, Dwayne. They're all great values at that valuation. So good job by you. <laughs> why didn't you tell me? Why didn't you tell me? I didn't explain all that. Like, I just wait, you know, anyway. <laughs> anyway, echoing some of those thoughts. Yes, Rashad Penny, number three in yards after contact per carry behind only Nick Chubb and Derrick Henry since entering the league. Khalil Herbert last season, number one rushing yards above expectation per next-gen stats. Rashad White, as you mentioned, yeah, pretty bad last year. This was the one thing with Rashad White where we kind of had the people calling for Leonard Fournette to get out of there. And to Fournette's credit, I think he was playing through that PCL issue for the majority of the season. But I've said, it, I've said this before, man, it wasn't this Pollard, Zeke, or even Herbert Montgomery situation where you looked at the backup just putting up stupid efficiency numbers relative to the starter they were both horrendous like last year there were 42 running backs that had at least 100 carries and Fournette and Rashad White ranked the 41st and 42nd in yards after contact per carry so you know the elusive rating White was a little bit better than that and you kind of look at their pass catching chops and they were out there but not much evidence that White was actually this, you know, great rusher. Now, look, Fournette wasn't either. We can put a lot of that blame on the offensive line. The question for him is if he can get that three-down pass rule, because guess what? Fournette sucked last year, and he finished as the RB12 in fantasy football, because that's how valuable those targets can be getting to him. So, James Conner, I think, is a bigger question, you know, because I'd be shocked if the Cardinals don't add some serious competition. And the draft, similar sentiment with Brian Robinson. Last thing before we move on here, Dwayne, what are your thoughts on Mostert versus Jeff Wilson? Because the these are truly the two cheapest ones. And yes, like I'm not exactly positive as well, which one is going to lead the way. I tend to lean Jeff Wilson, but want to get your thoughts on who you think could be a leader, because this is truly the cheapest backfield that we can get into if we can find the starter. And both these guys for different stretches of last season were pretty quality upside RB2s. It just kind of kept switching back and forth on us. Yeah, and that's the challenge, right? For all we know, it's really just a hot hand approach. Like, this is a Kyle Shanahan tree here with Mike McDaniel, and we've seen Shanahan do that in the past, and it can be really tough to predict who it's going to be. Having said that, for any stretch, when either one of them take over at some point this season, like, they're going to have high-end RB2 value, especially if the offensive line for the Dolphins play better. We already know it can be an explosive offense. Also, especially if Tua stays healthy all season. Like, think what this offense would have done with Tua on the field for the whole season. So I think they're both guys worth taking shots at. I'm not necessarily prioritizing one over the other, at least at this point in the offseason, Ian. I do think they're a really good candidate to potentially, you know, draft a running back. Now, they don't have a lot of picks. Like, they lost their first-round pick this last year because of the tampering stuff last year. Um, they do have a second-round pick. They've got some other needs. I don't know that they'd spend one on a running back there. But again, the third round, like, they could add someone that would really make us think wow we like that person a lot better than Raheem Mostert or Jeff Wilson but both of them have that path to being RB2 quality players um, if they get you know if they take over and they get the hot hand for a two three week stretch 
Dwayne's original point when we started this. Yeah, Tyler Algier is the first running back I named, and his ADP is 103 right now. That's with the super flex. So that's being blown up a little bit more than what it was before. Uh, you know, we had multiple quarterbacks going so early in the draft. But yeah, the way things are flying over at underdog, super heavy wide receivers. So I would just say after you get, you know, if you are, you know, buying into what the public is selling you and you're getting a lot of wide receivers early, take a long look at some of these guys down here who, again, if they make it scot-free through the draft without, a, you know, another day one or day two back being added to the equation we're going to be pushing them up into those rb2 tiers sooner rather than later speaking of guys outside the top 24 Dwayne, i didn't mention one of them because i just i don't want to get hurt again man it's been too <laughs> soon it was a big miss for me last year and it was one of those things where it worked out at the end but by that point everyone had cut him of course i'm talking about cam Akers right now standing as the rb25 behind guys like dave montgomery isaiah pacheco deandre swift miles sanders jk dobbins who Dwayne, i just don't think have the same remote chance of getting the same sort of every down workload that cam Akers had last season again i wouldn't blame anyone that drafted Akers to not even have realized just how good of a final stretch he had because of how much he burned you in the first half of the year but my god man from week 13 to 18, I mean, his snaps started going over 75% almost every time out. Week 18, he literally did not leave the field 100% of the snaps during that six-week stretch. He was the overall PPR RB4. Now, Dwayne, we didn't have the greatest, I guess, production from Akers in 2021 going to 2022. We got the production. He's not coming off an Achilles injury. I mean, Cam Akers looks like the Rams RB1. I know it's been a while since we could rely on Sean McVay's RB1 as a legit fantasy difference maker. I'm liking what I'm seeing out of Cam Akers right now, man. This seems like the, you know, post-hype bounce back that people are more or less ranking him this low because he burned him last year, not necessarily because of what we should be expecting him to do next year. Yeah, I think he kind of groups in. You know, I, I, I get why you separated him, you know, because you've got the heartstrings here. And I, f I feel like you're setting yourself up to get hurt again. But no, it will be really hard to be hurt again at his current ADP. Now, if the Rams don't draft a running back, right, they don't add anyone else, I think Cam Akers will creep up a little bit. Probably not a lot because of recency bias, to your point. Most people that drafted Cam Akers, uh, quite honestly, they probably weren't very good in fantasy football last year uh, because he was a complete bust and they probably had cut him and then he ended up being on somebody's championship team that was already making a run right before that happened. So th there is a tendency for folks to be like, no, that guy burned me and I'm not going back to him again. So I totally get that. You know, Akers is still really just an average running back, I would say. You know, he's replacement level. Like when we just look at like a lot of his advanced metrics, the things that we like to think running backs have a, they're sticky to them, right? They don't completely own these stats, but they definitely have something to say about them. So his yards after contact, 2.8, that's below, you know, the NFL average or for, you know, your RB1 and RB2s, that's below average. But it did match where he was in 2020. So we at least did see him bounce back. You mentioned 2021 was really rough coming off the Achilles. So I think the positive is he at least looked like he might be what he was in 2020. And honestly, like we talked about that way back in the day, like Akers wasn't like special on the ground, but like the volume could potentially be there. And he is really good around the end zone. He scored seven touchdowns last year. That was a big part of how he had that push, you know, towards the end of the year. Not a huge guy in the passing game, like his highest targets per route run, um, you know, excluding the one, you know, the super small sample in 2021. Um, he was 13%. Last year, was 10%. So he's not someone that gets hyper-involved in the running game. Um, you probably have someone like Kyron Williams still taking snaps on passing downs, like if the season started today for the Rams. And the other question, Ian, is just like, what do we think about the Rams' offense? And I think that's actually a tricky question because – 
if you go back and look at the offense they won the Super Bowl with, it's really not that different from what they're going to have this year if Matthew Stafford is going to be healthy, which we kind of got good news on last week, that it really does sound like Stafford's in a better place than what we potentially thought, like even a month earlier at the NFL Combine. So I think if Stafford's back and you've got McVay there and you've got Cooper Cup, as long as you have those things, that's basically the offense there's going to be a chance to score touchdowns. So if, if Cam Akers can avoid a running back being added in the first three rounds, I think he's going to have some potential value. He's 24 in June. To your point, I don't think he's a special talent at all, but you know, what if we kind of been talking about over these years, the idea that running backs don't matter, not necessarily because we can't differentiate, you know, who is better and worse in terms of that talent, but it's because when you get a sweet enough workload, it just doesn't really end up mattering. Again, Leonard freaking Fournette, Dusty Old Lenny last year was the RB12 because he just caught, you know, it's eight freaking checkdowns per game from Tom Brady. And although it has been a couple years since we have truly seen the Rams go out of their way to feature that every single down workhorse it's been there in spurts like Dwayne I know your utilization report Christmas tree was going crazy over Daryl Henderson <laughs> after week one last season and it's been that way with Henderson with freaking Malcolm Brown for periods with Cam Akers so can we get a full season of that with Akers Maybe, maybe not. That's why he's an RV 25 and not an RV 12. But man, if we see week one come and Cam Akers is out there for 90% of the snaps and playing across all three downs, that's going to be a big time riser in a hurry. And to Sean McVay's credit, he's up there with guys like, you know, Matt Canada, Kellen Moore, Cliff Kingsbury, you know, if he's back from Thailand yet or whatever. I think he did come back at some point. Kevin O'Connell, very few coaches in the NFL have actually been willing to give their lead running back that true 90% plus every down workload. Sean McVay has been one of them in past years. All right, let's talk about another offense that does have the capability to put up all sorts of points. In fact, they've been doing, you know, I believe second most points per game over the past three years, and that is the Buffalo Bills. Josh Allen is fantastic for Josh Allen, which makes him fantastic for the Bills, the entire city of Buffalo, fantasy football managers alike. The one person, or should I say the one position group who Josh Allen is not fantastic for have been the Bills running backs. That's because Josh, when he's dropping back to pass, usually not checking down. ADOT has crept down a little bit over the years, but he's still a gunslinger at heart, or he's going to go out there and scramble. That also happens when you get around the goal line. So we've had good enough backs, I think, in Buffalo and kind of the post-Shady era. Devin Singletary, Zach Mo Okay, I'm, I'm starting to name some pretty mid-running backs here. We've had passable running backs who should have been able to put up, Dwayne, I think good fantasy numbers just by virtue of being in such a good overall Bills offense, but that hasn't happened. Moving ahead to this year, we have James Cook and Damian Harris standing out as seemingly the top two players, although Naeem Hines is also lurking there. Any thoughts right now? Because James Cook at RB30, Damian Harris at RB39. I mean, I specifically didn't mention them in that first group of guys because just, you know, we're talking about it right now, of course. But in terms of the offenses, I mean, before I was going through the Falcons, the Bucks, the Bears, the Cardinals, you know, a lot of groups that we don't that want that much exposure to in the first place. We're talking about potential lead running back for the Buffalo freaking Bills here without an ADP inside the top 30 running backs. What do you make of James Cook and Damian Harris right now? Because there has been a little bit of hype about Dame potentially getting back to his double-digit touchdown ways now that he is presumably their lead goal line back. Yeah, I think that that's totally in play for Harris. I, I think we could see him get the double-digit touchdowns. Now, you mentioned it. Josh Allen you know, is going to be a he's a factor down inside the five yard line, but has been a little bit less of a factor more recently. Now, we don't know if some of that was due to the to the elbow injury that he had last year or what all of the what are all, what are all the things that necessarily led to a little bit of a less role last year? But that could certainly have been part of it was the injury. Um, 
but Harris is just a tough runner, man. Like he's one of these guys, if you've watched Damian Harris and like you've watched and you don't even have to watch a lot of him because he does it every single run, like just a high, high effort runner, very violent, always pushing the pile forward, not like going to make everybody miss, you know, 20 tackles in a game or anything like that, but he's always getting those yards after contact. We've seen him already have, you know, some productive years as far as scoring touchdowns, always scores really well on things like PFF rush grade. So a lot of the things that we like to look at, you know, he's really good at not a hyper explosive player, but they're going to like the attitude that he's going to bring down inside the five yard line. And when you plan an offense as good as Buffalo, even though they do like to throw the ball a lot, like he could score 10, 11, 12 touchdowns, like maybe maybe even a little bit more that, than that, like if everything just went perfectly. But I think scoring 10 touchdowns is not going to be a hard thing for him to do. Now, having said all that, like James Cook, like towards the end of last year, was finally like just starting to show a little bit. Um, so I don't want to completely rule him out. I want exposure to both guys. The biggest thing that stands out to me about James Cook is what we liked about him in the pre-draft process, which was really his ability, you know, as a receiver out of the backfield, not one of these guys that just has to be a swing pass guy, because if you're Josh Allen and you can just check it down to a guy that's two yards behind the line of scrimmage or just be like, I'm a baller. I'm just going to take off and get like 17 yards. I'm going to stiff arm a guy. I'm going to get a highlight reel uh, run here. Probably going to score a touchdown of him inside the 10. Like you're just, you're just going to take off, right? If you're Josh Allen, but with cook, and we did see this last year, he is someone that can work a little bit more downfield. He can be a mismatch versus linebackers, safeties. We don't want to completely write him off. Had a rough rookie season, but like I said, was doing a little better at the end of last year. And his targets per route run, now he didn't really take over the role we wanted him to. Devin Singletary mostly kept most kept most of the passing down duties. But when Cook was on the field, 26% targets per route run. So that's a really high number. We know he has the plus A dot. There's a chance that he could still do something as well. There's room for both of them to be potentially valuable. And then at any point in the season, if it, we found ourselves where just one of them, right, are taking the main role, we've seen this with Devin Singletary. Yeah. Like you can have stretches where that's really going to be a mid-range RB2 and they're going to give you RB1 games. So I want exposure to both of them. I can't, it's another situation that I think is really tough to say, oh, this is the better chip to put down. Like, because I think both of them have a path to upside. Harris is through his touchdowns. Cook is through a role in the passing downs. And I guess, obviously, like if one or the other were to get hate, hurt, I think we'd probably still say the best pure upside is Cook, hoping he took this big step forward as a receiver. But we're also going on multiple years years now where we have not seen Josh Allen completely, you know, buy into using a running back in the passing game, despite the fact that Cook has some things going for him. So it's really close. I want exposure to both. I'm nervous that James Cook is about to get Duke Johnson, Dwayne. And I mean that, unfortunately, <laughs> negative. Because yeah, Duke Johnson yeah. is the freaking man, as I'll say a million more times, all-time leading rusher from the U. But he got typecast as a scat back. And we saw him, unfortunately, never get that three-down roll, even though, you know, relatively mediocre running backs like Carlos Hyde were his only competition. The thing with James Cook, I'm still not convinced he can't be a three-down running back. Yes, he fumbled his first career carry and immediately got sent to the doghouse. Guess how many fumbles he had in his next 126 touches, Dwayne? Zero. Zero. <laughs> Only one running back averaged more yards per carry than James Cook last year. Brees Hall. He's pretty good. Eighth highest PFF receiving grade among 55 qualified running backs. So I understand. James Cook, I don't think he's facing the same, you know, stack boxes as someone like Damon Harris. Again. Get out there. 
I'm not so sure in the year 2023, you want to be running the ball into the teeth of the defense in those stack boxes in the first place. And I was really hoping when the Bills, who have for years now been trying to get this scat back running back, flirting with J.D. McKissick in free agency last year, trading for a name Hines, I thought this could be the one offense that goes out there and their first and foremost idea is to pass the football only to run the ball when the numbers suggest it and when you have that big time advantage in the box. Wasn't the case last year. Could it be the case next year, the year before, this year? I don't know. That's why I started off with the Duke Johnson thing because as much as I might think that James Cook could be a three-down back, if the Bills don't think so, it's ultimately going to be useless. So I'm putting my chip on Cook for now just because even with Damon Harris, man, that year he scored 15 touchdowns for the Patriots. I'm pretty sure he was only the RB15 in PPR points per game. That said, if we can get the RB15 at an RB39 price tag, yeah, we'll take that eight days of the week. In terms of which one do I think has the highest ceiling if they can get that role, I will go with James Cook. But to your point, it's just not the best situation historically. Over the last three years, while the Bills do have the second highest ranked scoring offense, their backfield expected PPR points per game, just 24th. And the, the other offenses, as you can see, that have had you know a great scoring offense, but they just don't set up their running backs well. The Eagles, the Seahawks, and the Ravens, it's just a fact of of playing with some of those more mobile quarterbacks who, again, very good for the team's success, very good for their scoring, just upside. We've seen that happen. Not so good for those running backs. So that's going to wrap up most of the running back questions we have here, Dwayne, but I got plenty more to go here at wide receiver, starting with one of my favorite comparisons we got going so far. Can Mike Evans and Chris Godwin be this year's DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett? Yes or no, Dwayne? You can't even... No, you can analyze. You can analyze it, man. I'm just kidding. I'll just go with a, an easy answer to start. Y yes, I mean yeah. because we just saw it. We just saw it happen. Like, am I gonna bet on it? No, but I mean, <laughs> if he can, if, can can Baker Mayfield or Kyle Trask be Geno Smith? That's the question, right? Yeah. Can they? You know, um, I, I'll say, look, with Evans, I have bigger concerns than with Godwin. Godwin gets to operate from the slot some. He gets to play more of the Z role. He can operate underneath. Not that Baker really found any way to support DJ Moore in a similar, you know, at least theoretically telling myself you're not having to work as far down the field. And Godwin was coming off the injury last year, um, you know, and still was showing flashes, right, of being, you know, a potentially dominant receiver at this level. So 24% targets per route run was actually a career high last year for Chris Godwin, even though we saw his yards per route run go down because we saw the overall offense playing uh, not as well. We saw Brady take a step back with just the yeah. way the, the NFL defenses are now playing, you know, these pocket quarterbacks that want to push the ball down the field. There's going to be some, uh, you know, punches, counter punches, things like that going on over the next couple of years as far as schemes and how they offset these things. But Godwin's really a better fit in my mind for the things that are working in today's NFL. So I think that's going for him. I prefer him over Evans. He's also younger. I do have major concerns about Mike Evans. I had them last year. And you remember, like, you know, some things worked out where Evans, it just started to look like, well, he's really not going to have that much target competition the more and more we looked at it. But really, he had been in a downward trend, like as far as his targets per route run, his target shares, um, yards per route run, all those things had been really deteriorating over the previous years before that. And this is a guy that's going into his year 10 season. Um, he'll be 30 years old when the NFL season starts. So I think there are concerns with Mike Evans, especially now that we have Baker Mayfield. Having said that, the market's kind of, you know, the market's so sharp now with underdog, with uh, all the best ball drafts and people having real money invested. Um, I'm, I'm, I continually am impressed by how, you know, efficient really the market is on these things. Because I remember when I first saw Mike Evans as ADP, I was like, man, that's really low. But then like, as I thought about it and I started to look at it more, I was like, yeah, it's probably actually priced right. It's not that I wouldn't pull the trigger on Evans where he's going because the ADP is good, 
but there are definitely a ton of red flags with Mike Evans. And now you got to overcome potentially Baker Mayfield as well. I'm with you on the market as a whole. I think the only guy that I'm just really moving up and saying, you know, fuck your ADP. Like I'm going to put this guy up here 20 spots ahead of where he should be is Tyler Lockett because I've had enough, but we'll talk about him in a little (laughs) bit. Right now, for those that aren't, you know, tuned into the ADP for all these guys like Dwayne and myself, Chris Goblin is the wide receiver 32 and Mike Evans is the wide receiver 35 over at Underdog. I mean, these guys, four straight years, 2019 with Jameis and 2020 from 2022 with Tom Brady, both of them top 16 in PPR points per game. Even last year, man, Mike Evans was the wide receiver 13. Goblin was the wide receiver 15 on a per game basis. I know. I remember the 200 plus yard three touchdown game, but I'm not in the business of taking away a player's good games and then only counting the games that he was bad. And I don't think that's very fair either. So I understand Mike Evans hurt a lot of people last year, but man, it's like, yeah, I know Baker. We all understand that. That's why they're not inside the top 30 right now, but hear me out. Mike Evans and Chris Godwin, they're pretty good in their own right. Completing, Dwayne, the idea that this could be this year's version of DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett. If you take a look at new Buccaneers OC Dave Canellis, actually served as one Geno Smith QB coach last season. So I know it's Baker, but even some of the bad Baker stuff, I think has been a little bit overstated. What, you know, high-end fantasy wide receiver has he ever enabled? Well, Jarvis Landry in 2018 was the PPR wide receiver 25 on a per game basis. And he was the wide receiver 21 in 2019, even OBJ. Yeah, I know we drafted him at a top freaking five, top 10 ADP among wide receivers. He busted relative to that. He was the wide receiver 33 and the wide receiver 38 on a per game basis in 2019 and 2020. Those aren't good. We're talking about wide receiver twos, wide receiver threes, but we were having to draft OBJ as a wide receiver one. Now we get the opportunity to draft Evans and Goblin as wide receiver threes. So at a minimum, Dwayne, I do think this whole group of wide receivers, like if you want to go against the chalk, because let's face it, an underdog right now, everyone's just loading up on the wide receivers early. If you do find yourself doing a bit of a bully RB tactic and you have, you know, four running backs through the first five rounds or something like that, guys like Evans, guys like Chris Goblin, Guys like Deontay Johnson, Dwayne, there are some guys in this area that I do think have the chance to rise up and be wide receiver ones. Like we remember last year with Lockett and DK Metcalf, it only took a couple of weeks before we said, damn, wrong on that one, putting them back in there. At a minimum, again, Lockett, Goblin, Marquise Brown, Mike Evans. There's some guys in this wide receiver three range, Dwayne, that I just think we're making some awful big, awfully big assumptions about the overall offensive environment. There's room for them to boom. I think they're being priced closer at their floor than their ceilings at a minimum. Yeah, I agree. And I think, again, that's where it's like so sharp, like with where the market has. Um, and when I say it's sharp, it's like, I don't feel like it's overpriced or underpriced. I think they're about right priced, right? I think if I were to argue one of those two was underpriced, it would probably be Godwin out of the two because he's just younger. Um, he's still shown that he's an ascending talent as far as his data goes, whereas Evans is really on the other side of it, right? He's going down. But again, the price tags are really good. Um, you mentioned a couple of these other guys, like if you want to jump into like Marquise Brown, like really quick while we're here. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> this guy was like playing out of his mind uh, before DeAndre Hopkins came back, of course, you know, he ended up getting, uh, when I say he Marquise Hollywood Brown ended up getting the foot injury that knocked him out for a little bit, but wow, while he and Kyler were, it was really just about those two, like he was showing us that he could be a high end wide receiver one. He was out there earning all the targets we could ask for. Um, wasn't, wasn't scoring as many touchdowns as we would want just the overall offense, you know, was a bit of a, 
you know, an anvil around his neck in that case, you know, back to all roads come back to Cliff Kingsbury in Thailand. But I, I really like Marquise Brown. And I, I he's another guy that whenever I'm looking at ADP right now, I feel really good about taking him. I think you're going to have a rough start to the season, but he wasn't terrible with Colt McCoy. Like it, it wasn't like he was unusable, especially if DeAndre Hopkins is gone. You're not going to get the ceiling that you're going to get whenever Kyler's back in the offense. But at the same time, by the time you really need Marquise Brown to be scoring you a lot of fantasy points in the money weeks, like Kyler Murray should be back. Kyler Murray should be at that point, you know, he probably won't be 100% as far as what he was last year. But as far as just being a, a pure passer, like he could be as good or better than what we saw last season. So I really do like the call on Marquise Brown. And he's a name that every time I scroll through ADP, I'm like, wow, I know it's going to, it might be a slow start to the season. But after what he showed us last year, as far as that ability, feels really low considering what the upside could be down the stretch. Yeah, I lied. Two players I'm well ahead of on ADP. Tyler Lockett and Marquise freaking Brown, my wide receiver 25, wide receiver 34 ADP right now. You said it, man. Like, not only was he putting up numbers, but he looked good doing it. Like, we have evidence and just film, like film. I don't know why I said evidence, but legit plays of him, you know, balling out against Darius Slay and like high level cornerbacks in the league. Overall, first six weeks of the season, only Stefan Diggs, Cooper Cup, Tyreek Hill, and Justin Jefferson have more PPR fantasy points. And that's like, I mean, first six weeks, we're not even messing around. Like, all these guys played six games, is what I'm saying. Like, it's not just a bye week thing going in with this his pre-injury pace for 17 games 122 catches 1374 yards and nine touchdowns and if it matters Dwayne it matters to me you know I'm gonna just be biased here I tweeted this out and Marquise Brown himself quote tweeted it and said watch this year with a prayer emoji so Marquise Brown noted fantasy football fanatic he probably has no idea what PPR fantasy points are but I appreciate <laughs> you anyway Hollywood yeah man because to your other point like he wasn't horrendous with Colt McCoy under center, but the, he was sharing the field, field with DeAndre Hopkins out there. So Kyler, Marquise, you know, they have that connection going back to their days at Oklahoma. And with Hopkins, I mean, all signs, I think the latest thing I heard was he might just get released and not even traded at this point. Marquise Brown, again, really not a sore thumb, like a freaking golden thumb there in the wide receiver three range of someone who I think really quickly people are going to be adjusting to after week one. The other guy, Dwayne, that I did mention here is Deontay Johnson, who let's let's face it, didn't have uh, the best 2022. You guys might have heard uh, once or twice or a million times, did not score a single touchdown last year. 147 scoreless targets. That's 38 more than the next closest tally since the metric began being tracked in 1992. So he went from Ben Roethlisberger to Kenny Pickett. And yeah, things did not go well. 72.6 PPR fantasy points below expectation. The next closest player was Drake London at minus 35. So on the one hand, Dwayne, you can look at fantasy points below expectation and you can say, okay, that's a bad football player. They should have done more with it. On the other hand, you can say that's an unlucky football player. Where do you stand on Deontay being not very good at football or maybe just unlucky and then looking ahead to 2023? Definitely just unlucky. Like Amen. this is a guy that like has done everything as far like, you know, the number one thing I care about is the ability to earn targets. He doesn't just have to do it on the inside. He plays on the outside. Is he someone that's going to stretch the field vertically a ton? No, but we know what he is and he can line up against any cornerback in the league and still win. He's definitely had to battle some injuries and things like that. Now, last season he did play 17 games, even though he's a little bit dinged up in a couple of those, 
But the other thing that really fell off for him um, was his yards after the catch. You know, it was it had been 5.3 yards per, uh, you know, reception, then 4.6, then 5, and then last year it fell to 2.8. That can be a data point that just can be a little bit, you know, tricky. That could just be really fluky. Um, he didn't come through with as many big plays after the catch. But still, his yards per reception wasn't crazy off from what it was the year before, still 10.3. So I like him. Targets per route run now over the course of his career, 20%, 27%, 27%. Small fall off last year to 23%. This is a guy that we can see, we have seen. Like he could be a 25 to 30% target share guy on any given week. He can be a 25% target share guy on the over the course of a season. Now we need Kenny Pickett to take a step forward, right? That's something that we need. The overall offense, it wasn't just Deontay Johnson. This offense didn't score a lot of touchdowns. Kenny Pickett did not throw a bunch of touchdowns. So it's something where they're going to need to figure out how can they open up the offense a little bit more? How do they you know, make it more efficient? And if those things happen, like he's still going to be earning his targets and then he's going to score some touchdowns. He doesn't need to score 10 to blow away this ADP. Like if he scores five or six touchdowns and catches you know, 90 balls, like he's going to blow away the ADP at 86 balls last year, right? He could easily catch a hundred. So I feel really good about where Deontay Johnson is right now. And I think if you're putting a chip on somebody in those later rounds, like, well, the guys that are going in the wide receiver three range, that could still easily, easily be wide receiver twos. He's definitely one of those. He disappointed for sure. I mean, when you're going as a top 20, top 24 guy, he finishes the wide receiver 41. That's not good. But let's remember, this guy's played more than just one season. He's only entering his fifth year in the NFL at this point. 2022, like I said, wide receiver 41. 2021, he was the wide receiver 8. In 2020, he was the wide receiver 22. So again, last season sucked, but we have three data points recently, and I know two came with Roethlisberger, but let's not pretend like everyone was just lauding, you know, 2020 and 2021 Ben Roethlisberger over here. And then last year, and right now he's being priced almost essentially the same as last year versus 2020 and 2021, George Pickens is going before Deontay Johnson right now, Dwayne. And I get the allure of George Pickens. I don't like, understand it. I don't understand Well, <laughs> I do. You turn his highlight reel on. He's fantastic. Like, we talk about, uh, you know, what's the criticism? Justin Herbert's a social media QB. George Pickens is a social media wide receiver, like, to the freaking T. Because who the hell wanted to watch Pittsburgh Steelers games last year? I mean, all due respect to Steelers Nation and all that. Wasn't the most entertaining team to watch from a casual fan's perspective. All you would see is George Pickens once every three weeks making an out-of-this-world catch. And that's awesome. I enjoy contesting the catches des Bryant's probably my favorite wide receiver ever there's something about just watching a bully on the outside do his thing i mean george pickens like him run blocking and just shoving dudes down at the line of scrimmage that's awesome that's great we don't get fantasy points for style and uh you know we don't get fantasy points for style points uh Dwayne. and because of that i don't know how you can even dream of putting him ahead of deontay we had a couple games with uh kenny pickett where he got injured at halftime. He came in at halftime of his first uh, career game when they benched Trubisky and like had the Buccaneers game where he played like five snaps. No, that was the half. He had another game where he played like five snaps. So I accounted for all of that and Kenny Pickett basically played 11 games under center last year. His target distribution, Deontay Johnson, 92 targets. Pat Fryer with 67 targets. George Pickens had 58 targets, man. Like we're talking about literally 34 additional targets for Deontay over Pickens in the same time frame. Like I cannot get behind that at all. Deontay Johnson, once I'm starting to ramp up the uh, best ball, just overall contest here, I'm confident he's going to be one of my highest exposed wide receivers out here. Cause honestly, Dwayne, like he was in 2020 and 2021, where when we could price him, we could literally get a guy with a wide receiver one workload as a wide receiver three. It's back. Let's go. Yeah, I'm with you. And again, like Pickens, look, he had 800 yards as a rookie. Like, it's not like that's, you know, terrible. 
it's the underlying data points, right? It's like the 14% targets per route run, um, you know, yards per route run, or sorry, well, targets per route run. Then the yards per route run, 1.38. Some of that ties back, you know, to the quarterback issues. But we just know that Deontay Johnson can demand targets. Now you have Pat Fryermuth taking a step forward as well, showing late in his rookie season and then as well as in his sophomore campaign that he can demand targets. That just makes it a little bit problematic for me with Pickens. I, I would like to be drafting Pickens. I just feel like people are basically, you know, it's just frothy right now. The market's a bit yeah. frothy for me around Pickens compared to the other guys that go around him. And a lot of the guys that we've talked about are going around where Pickens is right now today. And you start getting into the rookies, which we'll be digging more into in the coming weeks, but like Quentin Johnson, Jordan Addison, a lot of those guys are also going around where Pickens is. So it's just, he's one of those names when I look at it and I haven't been drafting a ton on underdog, but I, it's like, I'm still going to try to figure out a way to get some of my exposure because you're right. When you watch his highlights, they're really good. The question is, can he become more consistent? And in order to do that, it won't just be a him thing. He's got to also overcome the fact that he's got other target earners on his team. And so there's just some different barriers there for Pickens. If he hit his absolute ceiling and all of a sudden, you know, he was as consistent every play as his highlight reel. Yeah. Like he'd be the wide receiver one, like in all of fantasy, because it would be like a touchdown every play, but we know how this stuff works. Um, so while he is fun to watch, I think there's a lot of challenges for Pickens and I'm with you on Deontay Johnson. He's shown me for long enough that he can, he can demand targets from any quarterback and we just need the touchdowns, you know, to basically regress back to the mean. Another rising second year wide receiver who flashed a little bit last year, but maybe we're freaking out just a little bit, perhaps Detroit lions number Two wide receiver. I think we can give the sun God his uh, credit there. Jamison Williams, anyway, coming off a year which he literally touched the ball two times where it counted. He had a 41-yard touchdown catch when he got behind the secondary, and he had a 40-yard end around. That's it. Now, he also had a 66-yard touchdown in Week 18 against the Packers on a pretty flea flicker. Unfortunately, that got called back by penalties. So here's the thing with Jamison. He was fantastic at Alabama. That was an awesome year. I saw what he did against Georgia. The guy can fly. I get all that. Three of the last four years, Dwayne, this guy hasn't gained 250 receiving yards. He was in the loaded Ohio State offenses. I saw it. You know, he wasn't getting the ball over Olave, Garrett Wilson, Jackson Smith, and Jigba. Not the most damning thing in the world. The one thing I don't love, though, is the history of players, even if it was due to an injury, doing nothing as a rookie. And I do agree with the idea the Lions weren't rushing him back, even though he was active for six, seven games. Clearly, they were you know, content to play guys like DJ Chark, Josh Reynolds, Khalif Raymond, alongside, if not ahead of Jamison, because he wasn't at 100%. It's still a season where he didn't do anything. And I just, when you have that on your profile, man, it's just, he, he's going to be an exception if he does anything at the NFL at this point. That's all I'm trying to say. Here's the list of first-round rookie wide receivers with under 250 yards since 2000. Well, and my point here isn't, isn't to say this is the one data point we need to pay attention to, but there's other guys on this list who were injured to start the year and could barely play. And, you know, that's not a great start to NFL career is all I'm trying to say. R.J. Soward. I'd never heard that name before I did the study. Santana Moss. Uh, Arizona State? I think you're right. R.J. Santana, Santana Moss, baller. He, you know, outlier, awesome. Charles Rogers, Rashawn Woods, Michael Jenkins, Craig Davis, Darius Hayward Bay, AJ Jenkins, Philip Dorsett, Kevin White, Josh Doxson, Laquan Trebwell, Mike Williams. Okay, there's another one. John Ross, Nikhil Harry, Brashad Perryman, and Jameson Williams, man. Those are the first round rookie wide receivers under 250 yards. So again, guess what? Jameson, with the context of the injury, being in the reigning fifth-ranked scoring offense, we've seen Jared Goff enable plenty of good fantasy wide receivers before. 
I could see how he becomes a third exception behind Santana and Mike Williams. But man, I don't love having to kind of go against that history with him sitting as the wide receiver 30 right now. I have him as my wide receiver 36 in a tier with Kadarius Tony and Traylon Burks. Guys, I think have a lot of talent, have a lot of upside, but I can't get behind taking Jamison ahead of guys like Lockett, like Brandon Ayuk, like Marquise Brown, guys who I also think are really talented and I've seen them do it. And I just don't have these same level of concerns. Thoughts on Jamison and what, if anything, you make of him again, not doing anything as a rookie. Yeah, um, you just gave me flashbacks. I remember the old Charles Roger commercial for Madden with him and Ray Lewis. <laughs> I'm Charles Rogers. I caught 68 passes and 13 touchdowns. He never did anything in the NFL, though. I think Ray Lewis said something cool to him, like uh, 13 bags of laundry, Rook, do them. Something like that. I don't know. But anyway, yeah, that's going back a ways on Madden. But I, I kind of throw it out because he was hurt. I agree with you. Like There are other names on that list. That were hurt. I'm not going to worry about it with Jamison Williams. I do think the challenge is real because of what you're talking about. The guys that he's going ahead of, like Deontay Johnson and Marquise Brown. So we'll have to see what happens. And I do think there is a cap on him because Amon Ross St. Brown is the sun god. And I don't expect anything to change for him. He's basically Cooper Cup playing in a Lions uniform. And I think he's going to clearly be the number one. Now, Jamison Williams does have the kind of profile where he could come through on a 20% target share and still give you a wide receiver two finish because 10 of those catches could be four long touchdowns, right? That could certainly happen, but it wouldn't be the first time that we've got overexcited about a profile like Jamison Williams, especially relatively speaking to, you know, the names that he's going around. So overall, I'm not going to worry about, you know, the list too much because he really was coming off of a late season injury his senior year. Um, I, I, I do agree with you that there are some concerns like that he struggled at Ohio state. Now, again, like qualifying that those are all guys, Jackson Smith and Jigbo will probably be a first round pick this year. So all three guys, right. That he was playing with were also first round picks like he was. Um, so I think it's fine. I worry though, like what's the real ceiling for Jamison Williams with a Monroe St. Brown there versus I, I just feel like the ceiling for Marquise Brown is higher this season. Now he could start slow because we may do, be dealing with Colt McCoy, like we talked about, but I feel like the ceiling case for Marquise Brown after what we saw early last year, in my mind at least, like is clearly higher than Jamison Williams. Like, look, they're going to try to get everything they can out of him. They didn't draft him in the first round to sit the guy on the bench yeah. or anything like that. I would not be surprised though, Dwayne, if we're looking at the week one route rates and it's a Monroe Brown and then it's almost like a trio of Josh Reynolds, Jamison Williams, and Marvin Jones, at least to start the year. We'll see. Always open to adjusting. We're talking about this on April 3rd. Definitely want exposure. I just hope yeah. the price comes down a little bit. Exactly. Like, look, I still have the guy in my top 40 wide receivers. I'm not saying yeah. not to touch him. And I love all, the tier but... you had him in. Like, that's yeah. right. That's the upside tier that you want. Thanks, man. Appreciate that. All right, moving on. My guy, Tyler Lockett, mentioned this before. So here's some numbers on Tyler Lockett. In 2018, his ADP before the season, wide receiver 54. He finished as the wide receiver 16. 2019, okay, wide receiver 19 ADP. He beats that, finishes wide receiver 13. 2020, wide receiver 21 ADP. You guessed it, wide receiver 8 finish. 2021, 19 ADP, 16 finish. Last year, we switched to Geno. Wide receiver 38 ADP. Doesn't matter. Lockett's a baller. Wide receiver 13 finish. By now, Dwayne, people must have realized after freaking five straight years working as a top 20 wide receiver in PPR points per game, surely he must now have a top 20 ADP. No, he does not. Wide receiver 32 ADP right now. 
What's going on with Tyler Lockett, Dwayne? Because all the guy does is go out there, doesn't look as intimidating as DK Metcalf, can't run as fast as DK Metcalf, but my goodness, I know he's getting up there in age a little bit, but if there's ever a wide receiver who's done a great job not taking big hits, it's Tyler Lockett, who's, you know, what is it, the X button in Madden where you like immediately hit the ground after you catch <laughs> yeah. it? So, yeah, I mean, Tyler Lockett, what does he have to do to earn some respect, Dwayne? Yeah, I, I think it's pretty clear that there's nothing he can do. It's it's out of his control. There's nothing he can do to earn more respect because we've just seen this happen too many times. Um, and I, I was out on Tyler Lockett last year just with all the problems, right? Going into his age 30 season, didn't have faith in Gino to do what he obviously proved us all wrong and was able to do. Um, you were actually one of the people that was more open to that kind of thing happening for Gino, so I definitely give you the hat tip on that. But I, he's a guy, I'll tell you what, like, I, I look back at it and I missed it and I really wish I hadn't have because like Tyler Lockett was so cheap in drafts and he came on down the stretch. Like he was a big part of Pat Corain's $2 million team. Like if you go back and look at some of the picks Pat made, like Tyler Lockett's immediately one that will stand out to you. So I, I like the price that we're getting him at. I mean, he will be 31. He is a smaller receiver, but to your point, like he's basically winning the way that he always has. And he knows how to avoid some of the big, you know, hits and things like that. Um, you know, he's played 16 games or more every single season, um, you know, since 2016. So one, two, three, four, five, six, six seasons in a row where injury hasn't really been an issue. Now it does seem like he will pop up on an injury report and he'll play a game or two as a decoy. Like that's the thing that can happen with him, but his underlying data points aren't really deteriorating either. And like his targets per route run the last three years, 21%, 21%, 20% yards per route run went from 1.68 to 2.35 to 1.94. So basically just kind of holding steady in there. And he and Gino seem to really be, they picked up right where he and Russ left off. Like they have a real connection. So I think the biggest concern is age because he will be 31. But other than that, like I can't, I can't give you a reason why he's not in the top twenty-four, and I haven't done my rankings yet, so I'll have to wait and see where I put him. Where did you rank him in? I have a wide receiver fifteen to make a point to the government and society in general, really Dwayne. Well, look, here's the thing, because I'm going to have to adjust that down when we're actively drafting, because it's just it's irresponsible to take someone that far ahead of ADP. Yeah, so I yeah. get it from that standpoint. But this but, is the time to do it. This is the time yeah. to make that statement. Yeah. I'm Thank you. Thank you. But so it's, this reminds me of like the family guy meme that's, you know, been all over Twitter for, over the years where, you know, it's Peter and Lois going in and talking to this guy and he goes, you can have a boat or, you know, you can have this box. And P and Lois is like, well, Peter, let's take the boat. And Peter's like, well, hold on. The box could be anything. It, it could even be a boat in the box. And Peter takes the box and it's, you know, two bullshit tickets or something. Power locket going behind guys. Like DJ Moore, Jerry Judy, Christian Watson, Drake London. I get it. Those guys could be Tyler Lockett. They could be as good as Tyler Lockett. Why not just take Tyler Lockett, you know, three rounds later than what they're doing? So Tyler Lockett, criminally underrated for pretty much the 30th year in a row. Don't be disrespecting him in those fantasy streets. A couple more questions, uh, Dwayne, for you. We're moving on to tight end. Gerald Everett, the late round tight end of 2023, or are you on our guy Chiggy Aconquo? Because I cannot get over the amount of parallels between Chiggy <laughs> and not just your guy, a hell of a lot of people's guys, but Albert O from last season. I mean, their names are hard to say, insane efficiency, small sample size, offense kind of rotates them. Thoughts on Everett, Chiggy, or maybe there's another late round tight end that you're uh, all over so far. Man, so I've been working on the tight end model, uh, supermodel, sorry. Of course. Wow, of course. the disrespect <laughs> there. Not just a normal model, the tight end supermodel. Uh, it will be coming out this week. It's actually ready. The article's written. Just got to finalize a couple things, and it'll be posting. So I've, I've gotten to see that. it, people. 
beautiful. Yeah, you get to see it. Beautiful. And um, so having done that, like I got to really dig into like some of these past tight end classes. And I think that was actually one of the first things that I sent you was like, holy Gerald Everett. Like, wow, what a collegiate profile this guy had. Uh, so no, I could never say no to him. Like, I, I just don't understand why the chargers just didn't find a way last year to just keep him on the field more yeah. and get his route participation up over 80%. Like to me, that was the only thing really lacking for Gerald Everett. He started off the season really hot, had a little bit of an injury concern. If I remember in the middle of the year, didn't necessarily miss a lot of time or anything, but was playing through some things and, you know, he kind of tailed off. Then he got hot a little bit again at the end of the season, but just like, let the guy get out there and play. You know, that's the main thing that I see with Gerald Everett, um, you know, but if he's going to be capped at a 60% route rate, then that can be a problem. But I think the talent is there for Gerald Everett. Will he ever be like an elite high end tight end one? Probably not. I think we know enough to know that's not happening, but where you're getting him at the end of a draft, he could certainly live up to that ADP. And then as far as Oconquo, yeah, I mean, I already wrote about this in the newsletter early in the offseason. It was one of the first things I wrote about just as I was doing kind of my season in review. And it was very similar to what you're talking about. I was just like, oh my God, like look at the parallels. Now, part of it scared me because yes, I was one of the people carrying the banner for Albert Oquibunum. But I will say we were also responsible about it. We're like, look guys, it's a small sample. Anything can happen. But on the sample we have, like a lot of his data points look very similar to the guys that are the best at the position. And we get the same thing um, with Chiggy. I like, I like calling him Chiggy, Ian. I like, I like going with this. Um, but yeah, the yards per route run, uh, the targets per route run, all that stuff. And I'll be honest, Ian, like it's pretty rare to see, to have a tight end that is so athletic and so gifted that you're just like, just throw him a bunch of screen plays. Like at first I wanted to dock him for that. And I was like, oh, well, like 20% of his targets came on. And I was like, what are you talking about? Who wants to throw screen plays to a tight end? He must be a freaking badass to want to do that. Because if not, like you'd be designing those to Derrick Henry, but no, we're giving them to Chig Oconquo. So I think it just tells you how much confidence like this coaching staff has in him and how much they want to make him a staple of the offense. So yeah, I, I love him. I don't see how he won't be one of my top drafted tight ends uh, this off season. Does he, does he have concerns like a small sample? Of course he does. But like from what we've seen, like everything I've seen just makes me excited about him. And for what it's worth, I'm going to go through his highlights here in a bit, and I'm going to put them on TikTok. I'm going to do getting jiggy with it as the background. It's going to slap. I cannot wait. But just from before doing that, I'm pretty sure I remember Chiggy making a handful, you know, two handfuls of really good plays last year. Albert O, so much of his production was that one little curl he caught against the Eagles that he busted for like 60 yards. And beyond that, really wasn't overly impressed with what he was doing other than, you know, getting the occasional deep crosser defense kind of leaves him alone. And then, okay, he's got the ball in his hands and he can do some good things in the open field. So I call it a conquo on my tight end tiers. Like a poor man's Kyle Pitts, I think, essentially a wide receiver, designated as a tight end inside of a run first offense obviously costs you quite a bit less though than what Pitts is fetching these days and dude, the efficiency numbers are they're absolutely ridiculous I mean 47 yeah. qualified tight ends with at least 25 targets second in PFF receiving grade first in yards per route run tied for or second in targets per route run I mean first in yards per reception I mean all the efficiency numbers say he's an incredible player no more Austin Hooper there like I don't think he only had one game last year over a 50% snap rate I'm not so sure that's going to change but he couldn't really ask for a better offense in terms of lack of target competition. There's Traylon Burks, and right now, there's Chicky Oconquo. Yeah, no, I'm with you. I'm all in on him. I am want to draft him as much as possible. 
of it. Final note on Gerald Everett. You mentioned before, very good underlyings, just couldn't really get out there as much as we wanted him to. I'm cautiously optimistic under Kellen Moore that we'll see him get more of a full-time role. So just one of those things with the coaching changes, you know, looking at the past tight end usage for guys like Nathaniel Hackett and then, you know, what he had done under Matt LaFleur in Green Bay, able to help tip us off. Always something we're keeping in mind here when looking at tight ends. Final thing, Dwayne, and we'll kind of go through these quickly. I'm going to tee up quarterbacks who basically have a sub QB 23, QB 24 ADP. You're not Please, for the love of God, do not start your best ball teams with these quarterbacks, but maybe they can be a good QB2, QB3 for the squad. So just one-liners, you know, if you're interested, not interested, you know, you're, you're your own man, Dwayne. You know, you just make up your uh, mind with this analysis. But first ones first, Jordan Love. Yeah, I'm interested. Like, I, I guess I'm kind of like Family Guy. There's the unknown box. There's a bunch of these other names we're about to say. I feel like I know what they are. With Jordan Love, I feel like at least, well, you know, hey. We could open the box and it could be better than what we think. Matthew Stafford having that little bit of a better health update. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, again, like we just said, like really what's the difference between the the offensive makeup besides Andrew Whitworth, that's a big part being gone, but the offense for the Rams and what they did two years ago, there's really not a big difference. Yeah. A few of the role players are different, but like the core pieces are still really the same. So yeah, I get, I mean, Stafford could throw 30 plus touchdowns and you're getting him for free in your draft. And he's easy to pair with Cooper cup. If you take him in the first round. So I like that. Naturally, I did my QB tiers right before that little Stafford, uh, you know, nugget came out. I would say he does probably deserve top 20, top 21 treatment. Now he remains a value as long as he's going in that, you know, QB 27 spot where he is right now. Kenny Pickett, knowing that unfortunately we do have the Matt Canada experience coming back for another year. It's tough. And he just didn't show much last year, but he's got weapons. So like, there's a positive, like there's a silver lining with all these guys, you know, there's, there's weapons around Kenny Pickett. Jimmy Garoppolo also got some weapons currently QB 27 all time leader in yards per attempt. Dwayne. I know he's not this. Okay. He's not the sexiest on field quarterback out there. I mean, we can talk about off the field all we want, but Jimmy G as a fantasy quarterback, Jesus, Ian (laughs) just, just needs to stay healthy. That, that's the main thing. <laughs> Jimmy G misses too much time. But yeah, his 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 uh points per fantasy drop back like is right in the range with the pocket passers that will go ahead of him. You know, so like he's right in that range with Kirk Cousins and guys like that. Jimmy G just needs to play the whole season. I think Jimmy G could be this year's like golf, potentially. Like he's gonna give you no rushing, but I could see the Raiders having a pretty yeah, good Yeah, I think that's a offense. good comp. Yeah, I think that's a good comp. Brock Purdy, apparently the front runner to beat a 49ers QB once he's healthy. Basically the same thing we just talked about with Jimmy G, but slightly better weapons, you know, not going to run, but like could be highly efficient and just go on a tear. Like we saw Matt Ryan do in 2016 with Kyle Shanahan. Like, so, I mean, there's that kind of thing that can happen with Purdy. Desmond Ritter theoretically can run, chose not to in his four games last year. Open uh, another unknown box thing, you know, (laughs) was not really that great of a runner in college, like was solid, but was never a design rushing attempt guy. So he's probably never going to get that. Maybe he could scramble a little bit more. Um, But like we like Drake London, we like Kyle Pitts. Like we know both those guys can play. Will Arthur Smith allow them to? We don't know. That's TBD. But again, like, you know, theoretically, Ritter could add a little bit of value. And again, an unknown player. I'm kind of feuding with Kyle Pitts right now, but we'll save that for another episode. Mm-hmm. Mac Jones, Dwayne, less of a box, but, you know, you could imagine. It, it wasn't bad as a rookie, right? It wasn't great, like some people were trying to make it out to be. But then last year was really tough. And, you know, you had a guy that never even ran an offense before with a pencil behind his ear running your, your offense. Like, you know, come on. 
Like it's it's he was a bit hamstrung and he didn't have any weapons. Now he still doesn't have any weapons. So like that's the thing that we've got to see. Can the Patriots draft someone that we actually think could be a viable uh, wide receiver for Mac Jones? And if they don't, then probably not interested. By the way, another offseason example of reading the full report. I saw some tweets going on about, oh, Belichick refuses to endorse Mac Jones as a starter when he just gave his typical Belichick response, like, oh, everyone needs to go out there and earn their jobs. Not saying Bailey Zappi couldn't potentially win it down the road or something, but just miss me with some of these offseason clickbaity shenanigans. Ryan Tannehill, presumably still very much the Titans QB1. Yeah, I mean, Tannehill's one of these guys that when we've seen it work, like he can be very efficient. Right. And if Traylon Burks takes that step forward, we just got through talking about Chiggy. They can also add someone else in the draft. Not going to be a high volume passing offense, but like Tannehill is like shown like that he can come through with these uh, surge efficiency weeks. So especially for best ball, right? All these guys we're talking about now are a lot better for best ball. Most of these guys you're not going to draft in a, in a one QB uh, redraft league. Sam Howell and or Jacoby Brissett, cousin Washington, Terry McLaurin, Jahan Dotson, Curtis Samuel. We got some weapons there. Jacoby Brissett, third in a completion percentage over expected last year. Sam Howell theoretically can run the ball. We're just not exactly sure who's going to be that guy just yet. Yeah, that one's tougher. Probably just staying away because I don't like either one of them, even if I knew they were the starter enough right. to feel that great about. So I would rather just know which one because like, what am I getting by taking a guess on which one it's going to be like the upside still just not good enough. So yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm out on those two for now. Last one, everyone's least favorite quarterback these days, Baker Mayfield. And only thing I'll say is that Baker Mayfield has been a bad quarterback for the majority of his NFL's career did set the NFL rookie record for passing touchdowns, which was later broken by Justin Herbert. And in 2020, man, got the Browns their first playoff win since, I believe, 1994, and actually played some good football during the second half of that season. Does have Goblin and Evans at his disposal there in Tampa Bay. Let's bake. Yeah, it's just a long time ago. I, I struggle. But to your point, like, he doesn't leave – he has the weapons, you know, around him. So maybe, maybe that makes him a name worth to click on. I, I just worry that Mayfield won't even be able to hold down the starting job, you know, for the full season. Yeah, I got to be careful. That let's big tagline is just so catchy that I'm going to end up ranking <laughs> Baker uh, too high accordingly. It's going to be the Russell Wilson circus all over again. But all right, Dwayne, let's go wrap it up. Again, just wanted to go through what I thought were some interesting uh, questions, you know, in the kind of middle, lower tiers of a lot of these positions. Because let's face it, that's where we are going to be able to find a lot of the value. You know, I'm sure we will do the, oh, Christian McCaffrey or Austin Eckler, who's the overall RB1 arguments at some point. But two pretty damn good football players in great roles. I think there's a lot more to talk about when you're, you know, again, get into the nitty gritty stuff down here. So as always, Dwayne and I will be back each and every Tuesday for you guys in the Fantasy Life podcast. Sooner rather than later, we are going to be transitioning all these to live and can't wait to actually get some of your guys' questions in that format as well. So great things ahead. As I said, you can check out all my tier lists. Got like a mini tier week going on at Fantasy Life. Great week to be great there. Dwayne, let the folks know what you're working on in addition to your super, super model tight end goodness. Uh, well, that's the biggest thing right now. So the article will come out this week, and then we will also release the uh, table on the site. And then also doing some other uh, rookie profile write-ups. So Marvin Mims is a big one that's coming. Actually, that will be in the newsletter tomorrow, so folks can check that out. I'm about to write said newsletter. As always, you can subscribe to that newsletter, fantasylife.com. It uh, is absolutely free. So even if you just want to support the podcast or, you know, just sign up a friend just to, you know, do a favor, why the hell not? It is free after all. For Dwayne, I'm Ian. Thanks so much for tuning in to Fantasy Life Podcast. And until next time, take care, everybody.